Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week 46 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. We only have six more weeks after this one uh, to complete our study in the Heidelberg, which we've been looking at all year in 2019. Today, we're going to be talking about questions 120 and 121, and this week, we're going to begin working through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And we began to look at this last week um, when we were asked the question, what has the Lord taught us to pray, or how has the Lord taught us to pray? And so here's the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus said to them, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is a prayer that many of us learned as children. This is a prayer that many of us have repeated over the years in various settings. I first learned this prayer not not in my home and and not in church. I learned it with my football team, and I think it was junior high. It may have even been a little earlier. Maybe it was in uh, elementary school. But I I learned this prayer with my football team, and we would pray it before games. We would pray it at the end of practices. I wasn't a believer back then, but still, this prayer became etched into my mind, etched into my memory, and it still serves me well today. Uh, Now, later in life, I became a Christian when I was in college, and as I began to learn the various spiritual disciplines that help believers grow in faith and love, spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible and and praying and uh, meditating and um, memorizing and all those different things, I learned about prayer, and this particular prayer became much more precious to me. It became much more meaningful to me. Because in this prayer, we're actually uh, we're, we're rehearsing certain truths about the gospel that our hearts and minds need to know and need to meditate on. We're, we're meditating on the reality of God as our Father. We're meditating on the reality that the most important thing is His kingdom and His will being done. We're meditating on the reality that we need Him to provide for us. We need Him to forgive us, and we need to forgive others. So the, this prayer helps us to learn and meditate on certain gospel truths that we need to know, but it also serves as a guide for how our prayers should be shaped. And I really needed that at that time. I need it today. I need my prayers to be shaped. I need guidelines to know how to pray. And no one really took me aside and taught me how to pray. But in all honesty, that's exactly what this prayer really is. It is the very specific instruction from Jesus on how his disciples, how we as believers in Christ, should pray. In Luke chapter 11, we see the same prayer, um, but we also see it in, in a particular context. So here's Luke 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So it was common for a rabbi to teach his disciples, his followers, how to to pray, how to engage in spiritual life. And so that's what they're asking for. Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said to them, when you pray, pray this way, Father, hallowed be your name. And then he goes into the prayer that we just read a few minutes ago. And so what we see in this is Jesus is actually teaching all of us how to pray. 
Maybe we don't have a person who discipled us in this. Well, Jesus is discipling us in this. Jesus is giving us a firsthand lesson on what it looks like for us to pray to God. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, is is teaching us how our Heavenly Father and His Father wants us to pray to Him. And and this is how we should understand our relationship to God. He is our Father, the one that we're praying to. This is the first thing that Jesus teaches us. The one that we're praying to. Our prayer should be adorned with the reality and the acknowledgement that God is our Father. And that's the first question uh, in this week from the Heidelberg Catechism. Question 120. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? And here's the answer to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike awe and trust toward God, which are to be the ground of our prayer, namely, that God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our parents refuse us earthly things. Now, I love that answer, especially that phrase, that childlike awe and trust toward God. But I also want to draw attention to the fact that uh, this, this couching our prayers in the sense of the fact that we are a son to God, our Father, this has become a reality for us through Christ. So the gospel is the foundation of this. The gospel uh, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a sinless death in the place of sinners so that our sins could be forgiven, so that his righteousness could be given to us who believe, and we could be reunited to God, our Creator and Father, in right relationship. That's the gospel message, and that's the foundation of a prayer like this. We can't say to God, hey, God, you're our Father, unless we are united to Him through faith in Christ. Now, with that as a foundation, let's move on to the question, why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? Well, let's just deal with some backstory here. For some of us, the command of Christ to call God Father, it's difficult. It comes with some personal baggage. For, for many of us, uh, the fatherhood of God, which is what this is, it's a bit challenging because we grew up without a father. Or maybe you grew up with an angry, abusive father who never showed grace, and, and so you, you find it difficult to relate to God as father because you don't have a, a healthy understanding of father. Or perhaps you had a weak father who never stood up for you, never stood up to protect you from an abusive mother. Uh, Some of us were blessed with wonderful fathers, strong men, safe men with big hearts and firm hands. Uh, I had a father like that. I thank God for my father. But I understand that there are some who are listening, and there are some in the church that are just, they've had an experience that it makes it difficult for them to understand God as father. And then there are others who may have a political aversion to this, right, or or maybe a social aversion to this. Uh, Some struggle with the fatherhood of God because they think it's sexist, right? And they would prefer to worship a goddess. But here's the reality. God hasn't revealed himself to us in that way. He's never called goddess or mother or queen in the scriptures. Rather, he's called God and father and king. And he's not an angry, derelict father. He's not an abusive father. He's a loving father. He's a kind father. He's He's a father who loves his children and desires to give us good gifts. He's also a father who disciplines his children. But here's the reality. The Bible presents to us that our relationship to God through Christ is a relationship of a, of a child to his father. In Matthew's gospel, we see the fatherhood of God 
referenced 44 times. In John's gospel, we see the fatherhood of God, or we see God called Father, 109 times. So that's over 150 times just in two books of the Bible. And you see this throughout the scriptures, that God relates to his people as a father relates to children. And so the fatherhood of God is foundational to Christianity. It's foundational to biblical Christianity. And the whole goal of Christ's mission is to reunite us with our heavenly Father. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way. He's the way to what? Well, he's the way to the Father. When a person comes to faith in Christ, they are adopted into God's family and made a child of God and an heir of the Father's kingdom right alongside Jesus. So through Jesus, we have a relationship with God that is defined as this relationship of a father to his child. And that's what the Heidelberg is getting at here. Now, personal reality. My wife and I have been married for almost 19 years, and we have three children. Caroline, who is currently 15, Luke, who is 14, and Samuel, who is 11. Uh, And as they've grown and matured, they have gotten better about how they ask us for things. Uh, They've gotten better about what they ask for, and they've gotten better about when they ask. But when they were younger, when my children were younger, they would ask for whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted it, with no regard for decorum, with no regard for what was appropriate in the moment. If they wanted something or they needed something, they would come with a childlike expectation that no request was too big, no want was off limits. They just came and they asked. And I have one son, I won't name him, but I have one son who still thinks that that's a reality. He, He still thinks that he should have dessert after every meal and he still asks for it. Now, our prayers to the Father should be guided by a more mature request than for ice cream three times a day. But the attitude, the impulse, and the recklessness that govern a child's requests should inform something of the way we pray to our Heavenly Father. Now, I am an imperfect father, um, but my desire is to be generous with my kids because I love them and I want them to be happy. I want to give them good things. I want to give them cool things. I want to give them fun things. Uh, But my desire to be generous doesn't even come close to God's desire to be generous to us. I mean, who is God? Well, He is the universe's creator. He is the universe's sustainer. He is holy and omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, and He is our Father. He knows everything. He even knows our needs before we present them to Him. And we don't have to persuade Him. We don't have to manipulate Him into caring for us. He loved us before we were born, and He will love us forever, and He desires to give us the best gifts in the world. So why did Christ command us to call God our Father? Because Christ wants to kindle in us what is basic to our prayer, that childlike awe and trust that God, through Christ, has become our Father. So childlike awe causes us to respect and revere the name of God, right? When when a child is in awe of their father, we respect him and we revere him. But childlike trust causes us to know that there is nothing greater than our Father's will being done. And he wants his will to be done in our lives. So let's move on to question 121. Why is it added in heaven? Our Father in heaven, right? And the answer is that those words teach us 
not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly. All right, we have that tendency to think in earthly terms, but we should not do that. We should not think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly, and we should expect everything necessary for body and soul to come from His almighty power. Now, okay, there's a song that we teach our children, uh, and it goes like this. Uh, the Darwins have been teaching our children in uh, the children's Sunday school class for years. The song is, My God is so big, right? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I love this song. I love going by the class and hearing it. I love the fact that little kids are singing that because they're learning about this big God, our big God, our majestic Heavenly Father who, who can do all His holy will. And it's a comforting thought. It's a comforting thought to know that there is nothing beyond the scope of God's power. It is a comforting thought to know that, that this limitless and powerful God is our Father. It will change our life when we grasp that this Almighty God has instructed us to come to Him in prayer, asking for every need that we have to be supplied by His power. See, God is not a limited Father who can't tell the difference between a good gift and a dangerous one. He's not an influential man who has limits, but rather he is the sovereign ruler of all who has everything at his disposal. And when we pray to our Father in heaven, we are taking our request, we are taking the needs of our body and soul to the very throne room of the universe. You might think about it this way. Our prayers are echoing in the throne room of heaven. Our prayers are pinned up on our Father's refrigerator. God hears you and his heart is inclined to you because you are his child and there is nothing our God cannot do. Now, I think we could all stand to learn again what it means to pray like a child. Uh, and Jesus, when, when he wanted to teach his disciples about the dynamics of the kingdom, he invited a child to come and sit, ne sit next to him. And Jesus told the disciples that they needed to learn to be more like the child, right? They needed to be humble and needy and unashamed and unembarrassed and bold and playful and willing to come and ask God for everything because that's who he is. He is our father who loves us and has everything at his disposal. And he will meet our needs according to his will all the needs that are necessary for our body and soul out of His almighty power. Well, that's what these two questions and answers are all about today. I appreciate the fact that you joined me for this discussion on Christian prayer. And next week, we're going to dig a little deeper into this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, to learn what it means for us to ask for God's name to be hallowed. And I hope you'll join me for that discussion as we look at Lord's Day 47 and one question, question 122. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBCWiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.